Welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. This is episode 14, take two, because I am on location in the Northern California Redwoods. It is gorgeous here, and it is 65 degrees, and I am wearing a sweatshirt in August. I love it. But I just was in the middle of recording this podcast. And I got a phone call. I do this on my phone and I got a phone call and somehow it deleted my whole draft. So this is take two and um, (laughs) I'm going to just start all over again. We'll see how this goes. Thank you for joining me. And I wanted to first recap a little bit about last week. I really enjoyed doing the live. I would like to do live weekly if I have guests that would like to come on and just chit chat. I really like to do it in the format of just chatting. Um, I did have some sound issues and I'm hoping that with trial and error I can work those out. The way that I had the person call in was by call in rather than making the person a co-host for that segment and I think what I might do next time is make the person a co-host because I think that allows the back and forth chat more than the call in. The call in silences one person when the other one starts to speak and that is very jarring for both those of us who are doing the podcast and for the listener because it sounds like interrupting and it cuts off parts of the speech. So you can miss things and it also mutes the other person or lessens the sound of the other person. So one person sounds much louder and the other one doesn't. I don't know if that's really a whole Podbean thing overall, but I actually listen to a morning podcast where that does not seem to be an issue. They can all talk and they can chit chat and they don't have to worry about cutting each other off because it will, there's a much more normal conversational aspect going on and it doesn't seem to deaden the sound for one when the other is trying to speak. Anyway. Um, so I'm going to try to work that out, uh, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Jamie as the guest. Uh, we had a nice conversation. I loved that she was so knowledgeable about the herbal applications that uh, I also like to use and um, that she could easily converse about those things. I really enjoyed the safety discussion that we had. Um, I could have followed that avenue further and maybe we will in a, in a future podcast, but it was kind of just skimming a lot of surfaces and I wanted to just, um, go where we could with each little bit of topic and, um, kind of try to keep it light and moving. And so we didn't, I didn't delve too deeply into any one topic. Um, but of course, safety on the road is a very important topic and can always have room in any discussion, even a food discussion. I mean, you know, it may be a different kind of safety, but um, those of us who are traveling, living either part or full-time, 
the nomadic lifestyle always have to think about safety and always have to be aware and prepared and know your surroundings, know what's going on, know who's around you. Um, and so that's always a thought that we need to have. The next thing I want to talk about is my fridge. It finally arrived. Uh, as you might know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, I ordered the Alpacool T36 in the beginning of July and it didn't come and the shipper had canceled the order because I had it going to a post office box and apparently that wasn't allowed, although they didn't say so. And then that particular model was unavailable and so I thought I was going to just go with a different model altogether. And after looking at all of the specifications and all of the wattage and amperage and amp hours and all of the things that I needed to know, about how they work, I kept coming back to the Alpacool. And I like this size, the T36, because of the number of quartz storage space that it allows. I like its height because it can still fit in my underbed storage if that's where I choose to store it. So when it became available again, I ended up just deciding to purchase the T36. And it finally came just in time for this trip. And I have been using it um, for three days now on one charge of my portable battery. And I'm still at 54% with the battery. Uh, so I think it could go another few days. So I could actually, as long as I'm not drawing any other power on that battery, I, I can apparently run this fridge three to six days on this one battery charge um, and then of course every six days or however long I need to have some shore power to be able to recharge my battery um, or I need to have solar uh, so a lot of sun available so that I can use solar to recharge my battery uh, I don't have solar affixed right now to the van and I don't know if I will because we haven't decided if we're going to raise the roof of this van or not. And if I do raise the roof, then I definitely am not going to affix solar and then have to redo all of that. So for now, I do not have a fixed solar. So um, I just have to find electrical power every however many days. And that can be done at, well, unless the world shuts down again, it can be done almost anywhere. If you stop at a coffee shop or if you stop somewhere that you um, are going to be for a few hours, you can use the power and recharge. Or once every, you know, week, you can pay for a place to stay that has shore power and recharge everything that you need to recharge. Um, I do like this fridge it is working really well. I'm, it's a dual zone. It has fridge on one side, freezer on the other. I'm not using the freezer part as freezer right now. I actually have both sides set to fridge and I have some condiments and some juice and, um, some bagged lettuce. And I did have some meat that we ended up already cooking on this trip. Um, so it allows a lot more versatility a lot more ability to carry things that I wouldn't be able to carry in a cooler because I wouldn't be able to really regulate um, constant temperature. 
So um, game changer, you know, having a, a compressor fridge really is a game changer if you have the battery power to also power it. Um, I don't want to use my vehicle power when the vehicle is off. I have learned um, from a 10 minute practice run that that is a bad idea. Uh, not with the fridge, but I, I did a 10 minute practice run about a month ago with trying to recharge my portable battery. And I did it with the vehicle running and then I turned it off because I just wanted to know, can I use the vehicle when it's off to do this? And <laughs> the answer was no. Um, it caused me not to be able to start my vehicle. I had to actually jump the battery after that. So um, I, maybe it's because my battery is older. I don't, I don't really know how old this battery is because it came with the vehicle and um, the vehicle is six years old. So I don't know when the battery was changed last, but I do know that I, I do not want to charge anything or use my 12 volt power on the vehicle unless I am actively driving. So this fridge, I did use my 12 volt plug-in while I was driving. That saves my portable battery. So anytime that I'm driving, I just plug into the actual vehicle. Anytime that I'm stopped, I plug into my portable battery. And um, I actually let that go intermittently. Every few hours, I turn the battery off for an hour and then let it rest. Um, overnight, it runs, it ran all night. Uh, so that, that worked great. It does make a small bit of sound. I actually like that. It gives me a little bit of white noise for sleeping, um, but some people may not. It's, it's, not a, it's not a loud sound. It's a nice little hum. Um, so yeah, uh, it's great. I, I definitely would recommend the um, compressor fridge if you are in the market for that or if you have the ability or you have the space. Uh, this one is a little bit long for the space that I have by about four inches. Uh, that makes it somewhat inconvenient, but uh, it, I don't want to compromise that four inches in internal fridge storage space. So uh, it, it's going to work and um, I think it's going to work great. I mean, so far so good. So that is um, a really big piece of <laughs> van life, of fridge, of being able to carry food and um, really eat more healthy on the road. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Next, I want to talk about a place that I just went to visit. It is not specifically a food stop, although there is a restaurant across the street called Forest Cafe. Um, which is just kind of a regular diner. It is next, it's connected to a hotel motel kind of inn that has rooms where people can stay. It is in Klamath, California, and I think I've mentioned it in a previous podcast, and I briefly mentioned it last week in the live, and I could not think of the name Paul Bunyan last week because, um, for whatever reason, I was in the middle of talking about um, the 199, the Redwood Drive, which is gorgeous on the Redwood Highway, and this place that you can visit to go see really interesting redwood trees. And outside is this humongous 15-story 
Paul Bunyan, and next to him, I think probably 10 stories or 12, is his ox, Babe. And last week, all I could think of was the name of the ox, and I couldn't remember the lumberjack who owned Babe's name. So anyway, Paul Bunyan at Trees of Mystery, and it is located in um, Klamath, California. The place across the street actually is called Motel Trees, and they have 23 rooms, and they have the restaurant called Forest Cafe. It is located at 15500 US Highway 101 in Klamath, California. And one of the new features that the Trees of Mystery has is a thing called the Redwood Canopy Trail, which was super fun, and we went on it yesterday for the first time. They were building it when we were here before. We've been here several times. Uh, it's always a fun stop and really nice place. If you are traveling for the first time, it's a really fun place to just get a glimpse of the interesting and strange trees. And you now you can do this fun canopy trail, which is um, suspension bridges up in the trees. There's a little series of suspension bridges and then lookout points. Um, and if you aren't afraid of heights, and if you can go across these bridges, um, you can get beautiful picturesque views of the redwood trees and all of the surroundings below. I got some information about the place when I was there this time. Uh, I kind of knew some of it. You hear bits and pieces and, and there are tour guide um, information there that is recorded information um, at various points along the self-guided walk and you can listen and it gives you some information. But apparently this was um, started by a man named Carl Lewin, and he discovered a very unusual grove of trees on the property that, for no real known reason, had grown into some intriguing and strange shapes. So, you know, trees just grow, right? But a lot of these in this particular segment of uh, however many acres this place is, there are quite a few trees that were just growing in interesting ways. And so he um, started a trail, a specific kind of trail going through this grove of trees. And he built a cabin and used that for his business quarters. And he opened this nature trail and charged admission of a nickel, one nickel to go and see his nature trail. And he and someone named Bruno gave names to the surrounding trees, which were perfect in their simplicity. The nature's shrine, with its spires almost touching heaven, to create a perfect natural cathedral. The upside-down tree and the fallen giant, with its magnificent size. And there are trees called the elephant tree, nature's scene cathedral tree. Um, there's one called the family tree, which I think might have become the one called the Brotherhood Tree. Um, and they were featured in Ripley's Believe It or Not in 1939. And that um, segment in Ripley's Believe It or Not featured the Fallen Giant specific tree. And um, shortly after that, <laughs> he was able to increase his price from five cents to 25 cents. And uh, the current price now for adults is $20 per person to go in and view these trees. Uh, it takes about 
two to three hours, depending on how long you want to go. I mean, you can walk it in an hour or 30 minutes. It just depends on how fast you want to go. It's, it's not really long in terms of distance. Um, I, like I said, I don't know exactly the total distance of, of the trail, but, um, depends on how long you take for at each spot, whether you stop and listen to the pre-recorded information, whether you really take the time to soak in all of the majesty and awe of the place, or if you just go on a hike and walk through. Um, I think we took about three hours yesterday because we did the extra canopy trail, um, suspended bridges, which like I said, were new and we hadn't gotten to do those before. So Nature's Shrine, which was featured by Ripley's Believe It or Not, was said to be 5,000 years old. It was nine living redwood trees all grouped together but connected to each other in one semicircle of growth. They reached 320 feet high um, and they were, of course, according to Carl, they were grafted together by nature. This is the one that I believe has now been called the cathedral tree. And it is, I think this one is the place where you can actually go and have weddings there and you can get married at the cathedral tree. Um, and they have a little uh, semicircle of benches around and they have a little podium that um, people can use if they want to get married there. <laughs> Some of the history Carl Bruno and Carl Lewin were partners owning this property, and in 1941, Carl Bruno sold his part to Lewin, and Carl Lewin changed the name to Wonderland Park Trees of Mystery. Um, Carl Lewin ran the park during the dark days of World War II, and business was so slow that Carl and his staff would sometimes take naps on the counter while they waited for a customer. In 1946, William and Florence Thompson came from San Francisco when they saw an ad for this place that was for sale. So they purchased the Wonderland Park Trees of Mystery in 1946 for $75,000. And they um, started this new endeavor, started a gift shop, and uh, revamped the trail. New owners took it over a year or two later and changed the name just to Trees of Mystery. And the Motor Lodge became the current gift shop. They brought the first Paul Bunyan. And um, the first one was paper mache. It only lasted about a year because the paper mache disintegrated in the weather. And when the new owners took over, they put billboards about the Trees of Mystery all the way from the Mexico border up to the Canadian border, all along Highway 101. In 1951, they purchased a kit to build Babe the Blue Ox. The kit came from Long Beach, California, and did not have any instructions. Um, they, when they got him completed, his head and tail moved up and down. He blew steam from his nose, and he stood 30 feet, 35 feet tall and weighed 35,000 pounds. Paul Bunyan went through several iterations, but the current one was built by someone named Ward Berg of Berg's Boatworks in Klamath, California, and um, he was a former Hollywood set builder. 
So um, apparently he knew all about how to build these kinds of things. So the animated giant Paul Bunyan, he can um, wink and he can move his hand. And he stands 49 feet, two inches tall. He took four years to construct, uh, took thousands of hours and miles of wire and metal and rods to erect the fiberglass coated statue. And the creation was finished just in time for the April 1962 dedication. His stats are 28,000 pounds, 52 feet around his waist, 730,000 pounds of reinforced concrete used to counterbalance, 400 gallons of resin, 2,000 pounds of fiberglass uh, used to make the outside covering for the body, 10,000 pounds of steel channel to form the double wall construction of his body, covered with 3,200 square feet of wire cloth to shoot the fiberglass against, 30 gallons of color coat resin used in the outside coloring, 24 feet high for his axe, uh, the right hand waves, the right eye winks, the mouth works, the head turns, and the cost, the total cost to make him was $55,000. And they also have a person that um, sits right inside or right below him and makes him speak. So he can wave at people and he talks to people coming and going from the parking lot. The gift shop, of course, has all manner of things to purchase that are related to the trees, to the trail, to Paul Bunyan, um, and then of course, just to Oregon in general, California in general, um, because it's so close to the edge of Oregon, there are things about Southern Oregon there there are little redwoods that you can purchase that are growing. There are um, Paul Bunyan plush toys, and there are uh, Smokey the Bear plush toys. Anyway, all kinds of really interesting things in the gift shop, including just um, postcards. If you want to get postcards to send, there is an ice cream counter in the back part of the gift, uh, gift shop. And there is a section that is dedicated um, to Native American artifacts. In 1968, the owner built a small museum in the gift shop, and she called it End of the Trail. And it houses a collection that she had herself collected for many years. It has baskets, clothing, and artifacts from tribes ranging from Mississippi River to the Rio Grande River to British Columbia, Alaska, and the Aleutian. Uh, it's a really, really neat um, museum. It has a lot of really interesting things to look at, and it does have some uh, gifts that you can purchase that were handmade by Navajo tribes. One of the things I picked up while I was there was an herbal application that was made by Navajo tribesmen, and it is called Nuwati Herbals. It is a black and blue balm, and it is to help treat bruises and spider veins. And it has arnica, blueberries, wormwood, ginkgo, witch hazel, gatucola, horse chestnut, beeswax, and extra virgin olive oil. And it is just a little tin. It's a salve that you can use. And um, so I'm just going to keep it in my little herbal arsenal and use that on occasion. 
One other thing that is really neat about this trail walk is they have a gondola ride, Sky Trail gondola ride. And it takes you um, up, I don't know exactly how tall it is, but it, it's a seven to nine minute ride. It takes you up to a viewing platform that you can actually stay there longer if you want to. You have to get out of the Sky Trail gondola and then you get back on to come back down. It is uh, up to, holds up to six passengers and um, just goes through the forest canopy. The top is called Ted's Ridge and you can stop at that observation deck that I mentioned, which has views of the Klamath backcountry and views of Hidden Beach and you can actually see the ocean all the way out from there. We aren't far from the ocean at Trees of Mystery, but uh, you can't see it from the ground. So when you're up that high, you can look out to the ocean. So if you find yourself in Northern California, Del Norte County, um, Trees of Mystery is a really great stop. And uh, you could eat at the Forest Cafe, which I did not. So, I, uh, you know, I'm all about the food. But uh, this segment wasn't really about food. But, um, you know, in between eating, we need to explore life and adventure. And um, I also do those things. So uh, I'm happy to share some of those things. What did we eat along the way? Well, let's discuss. At this moment, I have potatoes wrapped in foil sitting in the campfire. So tonight we are going to have baked potatoes with ranch style beans. And um, I have bagged salad that we will use to sprinkle over the top for some nice fresh raw element to that dinner. And um, I don't know, we might rustle something else up to go with it. But uh, I have garlic, pepper, I have salt, I have some ketchup if we need a condiment. There is um, onion that I can either saute or cut up into little raw diced pieces to put on. And for dessert, I might make the gluten-free brownies in my Omnia oven, or we have s'mores. I have chocolate bar in my fridge, and we have some marshmallows, and we have roasting sticks, and we have campfire. So uh, s'mores are always good. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't have a s'more until I was well, well into my adulthood. Um, we camped a lot when I was young, and s'mores were never a thing that my parents did. Uh, we definitely did the roasted marshmallows, but we didn't do the graham crackers and the chocolate part of it. So. Um, my daughter has always liked doing the s'mores, and um, I like to always try to keep those on hand when we go camping because they're really good, and, and you can also get gluten-free graham crackers these days, so it is something that I also can have. Um, so that was for dessert, and then breakfast this morning was um, scrambled eggs with zucchini and potato, uh, fried potatoes with fried onions. Um, Potatoes are a staple that I always pretty much am going to carry. They are quick. They are versatile. You can do various different things with them. You can add them to a meal or they can be the whole meal. Um, 
So I, I typically always have potatoes and they are going to be an element of many of the meals that I make. Uh, sometimes it will be sweet potato, um, although other people in the family don't care for sweet potato quite as much as I do. But I do like the fact that sweet potato is a low glycemic food um, if you are diabetic or someone who has to watch um, the sugar intake and you can't just have a bunch of starchy potato. Um, so if you're traveling and you want to bake, you can do um, sweet potato baked really, really good too. Um, so yeah, I, I do a lot of potato. Also for breakfast this morning, I did pan fried toast because I did not bring my toaster that goes on the campfire. I just did them in the skillet and I don't have butter on this trip. So I used a little bit of olive oil and I just coated, drizzled actually, each side with a little bit of olive oil and pan fried that. I mean, <laughs> I don't think there's very much better than pan fried toast. Um, of course, the bread we have is gluten-free because again, as you know, if you've been listening, I have to be gluten-free. And so that means pretty much everybody <laughs> has to be gluten-free <laughs> because um, we don't have a lot of room to carry several um, loaves of toast, of bread. So that was breakfast. Uh, we also had, of course, um, hot chocolate. And uh, right now I am having a nice decaf chai tea. We have plenty of snacks on hand. Um, dried mango, cashews, even some chips. I can bring guacamole because I have a fridge to keep it cold. That was really great. Game changer, like I said. The other night, well, two nights in a row, we had um, kind of a mix of things because I was able to bring some leftovers that we had before we came on this trip. We had had a Thai food restaurant night and I didn't want to leave the leftovers because didn't want them to go to waste. So I was able to bring those and we just um, rewarmed those and uh, we had them with, <laughs> you named it, some fried potatoes. Um, and that was really good. So we just kind of did a hodgepodge night and, and ate up the, the leftovers. Um, and tomorrow morning will just be instant oatmeal. One other thing that I am carrying on this trip that I haven't had before is um, packaged powdered, basically, miso soup. Um, I really like miso soup and because soy sauce is not always gluten-free, I can't always have miso and I found some good gluten-free miso. Um, so I've started carrying that because that is easy. You boil some water and voila, you have soup. Um, so that's another really good piece that we've been carrying this time. Um, and I, you know, I will say that one of the drawbacks to having a single burner stove is that you have to do every piece of the meal in successive order and the first part is cold by the time you finish cooking the last part. So um, I don't have room to carry the length of a double burner stove, but I might pick up another single burner. Um, I do have a single burner electric, but for times when I don't have shore power, it would be really nice to be able to side by side cook two things at once. Um, so I don't know, I kind of recommend that if you have room at all, 
to do um, two stoves that are single burner or if you have the ability to carry a double burner stove. Uh, that also is kind of a game changer. Um, so I don't know, I'm going to be thinking about that um, and maybe making an addition or a change as I go forward because that was kind of a nuisance. You have to heat the water for the drink before you're cooking or you have to wait to drink something until after. And in the morning when you want something nice and hot to drink, you really want the drink first. And that hinders the cooking of the breakfast. So, oh, and if you don't have a shower available and there is no Planet Fitness anywhere around, like there isn't here within, I don't know, 80 miles, um, you also have to think about warming water to wet your hair or wash your face or brush your teeth. I don't always want to do that with really cold water. So that takes up time and space on a burner as well. Um, so yeah, more food for thought, more thoughts about the nomadic life. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of going with the flow. I am learning as I go. I am letting the, the river of life flow and I am riding along, paddling along as it goes in my van down by the river. Um, so I hope that you have enjoyed this segment and maybe learned a little something and maybe you find the Trees of Mystery an interesting place to go and visit. And if you haven't ever been to the Redwoods in general and you ever get a chance to do that, um, I so highly recommend it. It is gorgeous. It, there is nothing like a Redwood forest. Um, and it's just uh, an awesome experience, an awesome sight. It is a beautiful thing. So um, with that being said, I'm going to go and enjoy my campfire and my Redwoods experience. And I hope that you will come and join me again. I hope that you will continue to help me grow my podcast and find additional listeners that you think might benefit from the things that I share or um, that might just find my podcast interesting. Share it, like it, um, give it some reviews. Tell me how to finish getting on to Apple Podcasts because I <laughs> have this ongoing saga and I cannot get listed on Apple Podcasts. Not because they won't list me, but because of some weird technical digital glitch and I cannot seem to get past it. So I'm on several platforms. Uh, you can find me on Anchor FM and if you just Google Van Life Pantry Podcast, there are ways that you can now listen to it without even having to download a podcast app. So if you don't have Podbean, you don't have to worry about that. However, if you want to be a guest or a co-host for one of my segments, um, you do have to have the Podbean app for that. So um, get the app. Let me know that you want to come on and have a chit chat hour with me and let's do it. Uh, I do like the Friday evening 7 p.m. Pacific time uh, time slot for that. If if it works for you and you are interested in coming on and having a segment with me, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to be on the lookout for anybody who does want to. I'm looking for people who know the lifestyle or people who um, maybe just live in a tiny house or who are really just interested in cooking or camping 
and camping cooking <laughs> and how to do it, what to carry, what it entails, um, and how to make it interesting. Because uh, even I run into the roadblocks. I, I'm always now doing research about how to keep the food interesting. And I really find that I keep coming back to the same foods, the same staples. And I think we are all kind of like that. Um, different families, even I noticed when I was growing up, different families cook differently and their food tastes different. And they tend to kind of have certain avenues that they follow in the food realm. And um, mine is, of course, no exception. So I'm always interested in how other people, what, av what food avenues do you follow? And what can I do to help change up my... Um, my food regimen so that I am always doing something interesting. Anyway, um, now I've gone long, so I will end it here. But again, I want to say thank you for listening and join me again. And I hope that I will see you on down the road. Bye now.